Today on Coffee with Mike and Ray, Alon Avgi from Avgi wants to hit a billion dollars before 30. Will he do it? Let's get to it. A lot of love stories in this one. <laughs> Alon, I got a question for you. Yeah, shoot. When did you start doing real estate? I started real estate when I was 21 years old. I closed on my first deal. How old are you now? 27. 27. So 27-year-old Alon gets his hands on a time machine. He sits in the car. He turns on his flux capacitor. He goes back in time to the first day, first deal, first time you sat in a real estate office to do a real estate deal. He meets his younger 21-year-old self. They sit in a room together. What do you say? Start having kids now. Get a, get a, girl, get a nice Jewish girl pregnant. <laughs> I mean, I want 10 kids, so I got to start back then. I'm looking back. I'm like, shit, I worked so hard all these years. Where's the kids? You would have had a whole property management team at that point. Exactly. I would have had a little army. So, <laughs> A you, property management you, team. I don't know. You have 10 kids. It's not bad. Plus or construction. Scouters, knock on doors. scouters. You would have had people knocking on doors. Full staff. Could have replaced everybody with my kids. With your kids. Cost effective. I can't wait till your staff sees this. <laughs> um, no, what I would tell myself is, um, and I'm asked this question all the time, Ray. I would go back and tell my younger self to go bigger. I would say I even say that to myself now, like just go bigger every time. But looking back, I definitely should have gone bigger because everything basically tripled since then. Yeah. And who would have thought that they, this this was going to be in our, you know, this window in our lifetime, COVID, prices going through the roofs, rates tanking. I mean, if you bought anything six years ago and you had that window of 2020 to 2022 to refi i think you would have to be like illiterate and an elephant not to have done well so i would have definitely gone bigger i even said that before like during the rate tank you know when rates were at the floor i even said i need to go bigger It was starting off with something small to build comfort in order to go bigger, like building blocks. Yeah. I had access to capital back then at 12%, 14% with the points. If I would have went bigger today, I would have been, you know, maybe five times the size. Wow. Okay. So right now, though, how many properties are you guys up to at Avki? I don't remember exactly. We're between 70 to 100 it's like 120 million in assets under management in six years in six years and we've sold like 100 million worth of properties give or take we've so, transacted so you've transacted on over 200 million in the last six years yeah and then you sold half give or take yeah because we've been we've done joint ventures we've wholesaled some deals we've uh we've moved some and just taking commissions whatever we could do to just keep getting by it was our only business you know and then was there ever a point within that first year after the first closing? I know you said, go go bigger, where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Was there ever a point where you're like, I don't want to do this? I mean, anybody in this business probably goes to sleep almost every night after a hard day work and is like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, but then you wake up in the morning very early and you're like, I have to. So you were saying that just every night sometimes you're like, why am I doing this? But you wake up in the morning and you're like, let's go do it again. Yeah. I've, I've never seen, because I watch your podcast, I watch your videos, I speak to you. There, there's a certain passion you have, and it's crazy. Like, it doesn't matter. It's a good deal. You want to talk about deals all day. I've saw a thousand deals. I think when people got scared to buy deals, you double down on buying deals. Um, so 
it's impressive to watch how much you love it and how much you put towards it, uh, whether it's um, speaking about it, doing speaking engagements. Um, I still remember the first time I met you. I was re- introduced to you like three times through different people. So, isn't that so funny? <laughs> so I still remember like the third time <laughs> we've already done like tens of millions of dollars in business together. And somebody's like, I got to connect you guys. And Mike's like, hey, Alon, uh, you need a loan? It was like a joke. We were like joking. Yeah. We just started dying. There was a there was the first guy. It was it it connected through the second person that introduced us. The first time you were not down, and the second person you were like, "Let's do this." And I was like, "Oh, it took two. I was not like, down. "I don't borrow money from Persians." <laughs> oh god. But then, uh, but that just changed over time. Yeah. Some Persians, you could trust you guys. You Thank know? you. Thank we you. tried. Actually, you guys are fantastic. Like probably, probably up there as my favorite lenders. All right, appreciate that. A hundred percent because you send my mother flowers every year. <laughs> That's definitely it. Hope your dad likes us. <laughs> he loves him. Honestly, you make you make my mom happy. You got all of our approval. We save him from buying flowers. It's not bad. And a nice bouquet too. You guys send something beautiful and big. And every year, my mom's like, "Hold on, it's here again." Signature <laughs> mark. I was like, "Damn it! Even if you're a point over, not fifty bips, one full point, I have to go with you." Because it's, it's worth the smile. It definitely is. So I have a question. First property you bought that you mentioned, 21 years old. What kind of property was that? Who refied it for me? We did. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's a, it was a single family house. So I know what property it was. But now you don't really buy single family homes as much. It's still part of the business model, but you guys have pivoted a lot. I think I've got two under contract right now. Probably going to flip them both, which I haven't done flips almost ever. I never really was into flips, but it's just uh it's time you know like the market shifted so much it's harder to hold on to properties with the current rate environment i'm not a billionaire i don't have a cash flow business printing me money so i can just eat it you know and weather the storm i need to move properties to weather the storm so we're going to focus on what we're good at buying great deals and moving them when uh when need be all right awesome i guess find most of your deals everything under the sun just like everyone else that knows how to find deals, broker relationships, uh, marketing, you know, hitting the pavement. People come to us now, uh, the municipalities. That you know how that track record yeah. goes. Once you got it, people come to you. What's, uh, your, what's your favorite asset type? Right now, I gotta tell you. In general, like what, 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 like what do you, what do you see that you're like, wow, like I, I gotta own this one. Just, just for, purely for emotions' sake, because you just. Mixed like use. Class. I just like mixed Me use. Too. I it, love you, mixed use. Right? In like the downtowns, prime time. They're quaint. They're nice. There's something about them, and it's like historical, too. Yeah. And you're not worried because you got the apartments and the retail below it. A little balancing act. Yeah. But I'm always full on my retail. I've never had a problem. You guys, too, because pick, we pick good locations. Do you ever own any of the businesses in the retail spots? I just started. What a great question. Really? What kind of business? This guy knows business. <laughs> yeah, just now. It gives you a run rate because there's no overhead, right? So you're not, you're not scrimmaging around to pay the rent. Although there's an opportunity cost to not having a tenant, so you're losing out on the income, but theoretically you're not burdening yourself with overhead yep. expense of a, of a startup. I'm partnering now with a beauty salon, a yoga studio. We, we just opened up a gym. Where? In Roslyn. What kind? It's a personal fitness facility. So small, like F45, 1200 square feet. Trainer access only, classes for kids, um, for endurance, Monday night football for the ladies, and general. Nice. Activity. You guys own the building? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
Yeah, now I think that's the pivot. Like owner ah commercial spaces are key. It's you amazing. Know? It's it's a great way to segment into serial entrepreneurship. Yeah, but mind you, I don't have any interest in running the businesses. No, but. you just gotta <laughs> find the right operators. Yeah. Yeah, plug and play people that want to grow, ambitious, really strong operators. Yeah. Then we could level them up. You know, in real estate, what I've come to learn after six years of doing this, which is not much, but from 21 to 27, the money we play, quote unquote, with, the money we play with is very big money compared to daily operators. Yeah. They see cash every day. We see large sums and uh, and we allocate large sums of money. So, and I, I mean, that's relative to everybody, right? My large sum is not Steve Schwartzman from Blackstone's large sum. Yeah. But if you're allocating $2 million, an, a day-to-day operator, even in a business making a million a year, he doesn't, he can't even, fa- they can't fathom that almost because they have their general overhead. They have their... It's a different number, yeah. Yep. They have their rent. They have all their jazz. They're taking the money every day. So they don't, at the end of the year, they might see, oh, I made half a million, but they don't even realize it. Went to a boat, car, rent, the lifestyle stuff. Makes sense. You just mentioned like a big name in real estate. You've met a lot of big names in real estate. Is there someone like that blew you out of the water? They've had? I know you've recently just did a podcast with Bob uh, Knackle. Cool guy. You've done uh, Elliot Horowitz. Uh, you've had me on your podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> You had a lot of big names. He that, like that threw himself <laughs> in the mix. Have to. Not to compare myself to the founder of Blackstone, but you had Michael Raman on the podcast. <laughs> Crazy guy. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. <laughs> Mike uh, Raman. Mike Raman. Um, out of all the guys you met throughout the years on real estate, is there someone that like stood out or you're like, I, I was excited to meet him because I've heard about him my whole life or through books or real estate? I've never met Steve Schwartzman, who's basically my, one of my idols, the founder of Blackstone. I got to tell you, Riney... Sean Riney? Yeah. That guy blew me out of the water. He is so smart. You know Sean? Sean, I do not know. He's the, he he's the Brooklyn broker. He's with Marcus and Millichap. I mean, they are crazy active. Like, he's done, I don't know, he's done billions in whatever time frame. But in a short amount of time. But this guy is like, I met two brokers in my life that have just blown me out of the water and levels of sophistication. And he is one of them. Who's the other? This guy, Steven. Steven uh, D'Arazio. Nice. Steven D'Arazio, Sean Riney. Steven's from Long Island. He's a Long Island industrial and office broker. And Sean is a Brooklyn multifamily broker, multifamily and mixed use. Both of those guys are, in my opinion, the most sophisticated brokers I've ever come across in my life. I could see them one day pivoting to to print the principal side and allocating like private equity money. It's talent. Yeah. Cause brokers and agents, you see a lot of them, Yeah, you know, some are just so on the dime yeah. and some are just, you know, they blend in like I have a broker and, and by the way, them two being the most sophisticated, isn't like a shot at the other ones. I know brokers that actually do way more business than them. They're just not as sophisticated. They're like hustlers. They're sales guys. Yeah. You know, they move product. It doesn't matter if it's a water bottle or a building. They're moving it. Yeah. So I have a couple guys off the top of my mind that are like that. And uh, and it's I think that's a cool space. I would not – it's not for me, you know, but it's a cool space. 
Yeah, I think brokering stuff. When I first got into real estate, I was a real estate broker and I had the license. I was like, oh, it's cool. You're going to go show a house. And I give real estate brokers a lot of credit because showing a house and finding something that someone likes. And then, again, there's a portion of talking them into it. It's tough. And then you get to the commercial side now. So now you have to talk them into an asset or find them an asset that's going to generate income for the most part and doesn't have X, Y, and Z billion problems that you can have on the commercial side that you won't even see on the residential. So it's definitely hard. And the sophistication obviously helps. But just doing it is on another level. I It's not for me. But I give the guys a lot of credit that do Well, it. you guys broker money, basically. You guys are damn good at it. <laughs> Ish. Ish. We try. I mean, your diligence process is uh, very thorough. But other <laughs> than that, to. everything's great. Thank you. We do our best. We're, um, <clears throat> I think we're on different sides of the business. So for us, networking is a big thing. Um, there's no competition. There's always peers. But we're obviously operating a different spectrum than a developer or a speculator does. How do you find your relationship with quote-unquote peers or your competition, or how does that play out in your landscape of the side of the business? Like what we kind of just spoke about yeah. before? Yeah. Most, I mean, most of the peers, they look up to you, want to collaborate with you, or want to... Uh, crucify you. I wouldn't even say crucify. <laughs> Those, you know what? It's most of the... Pe- Territorial. Most, most of my peers, yeah, it's... Most of the peers that I've come across realistically, I'm, I'm strong on social media compared to most of them. So they're really nice to me. You know, they look at me like a, an A player that doesn't care as much. Like I used to care about every deal. I would lose my mind if I lost a deal. I mean, sometimes a deal comes by and I'm like, I will do unspeakable things to make sure this is mine. But that's gone away because with time... And I guess some wisdom, not to say that I have all the wisdom in the world, but some wisdom. You realize, I don't need everyone. I need the right ones for long enough. You know, and then I'm, I'll be in a great place. And you can't get everyone. And yeah. everyone doesn't make sense. And you can't try and make it make sense. You know, that's the youthful approach. So I don't want to uh, fight against the current. I like to go with the current. And I think that's the faster way to success. So my peers, most of them want to joint venture because they don't have the reach that I have or the deal flow that I have. Others want to, uh, they want to give me advice if they're much bigger than me. Because one, it looks great for them if I ever promote them. Two, I think they just genuinely want to help. Like they see a younger guy that's building what they did years ago and they just want to give me good, you know, good feedback and see if we can, if we can help and collaborate down the line. And maybe one day I'll help their kids if their kids yeah. need that. And the third set, the ones that don't like me or don't want to talk, they're usually just jealous. I think that all stems out of jealousy. And uh, I mean, I get it now, you know, but... There's so much to go around. Who wants to be jealous? Yeah. You know, envy just hurts you. Well said. I like that. I heard this biblical story that it was uh, envy and greed were side by side in front of God. And when they were in front of God, God said to them, whoever comes first and asks for something, I'll give the second one more. 
So greed was pushing envy. Envy was pushing greed. Back and forth. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. I want more. I want more. I want more. And envy went first. And when envy got pushed in front of God, she said, I want you to take one of my eyes. And so, you get it? You get a mic? <laughs> and greed lost both eyes. Exactly. Come on, Michael. Do the math. I got it. He was confused for a second. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So I think that's what envy does. It just hurts everyone around you, you included. Yeah, I'm sure. I, you know, Over the years, you, I, I get what you're saying on it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. When I, I mean, when I was way younger, I was like, I want a mongoose bicycle. I always uh, wanted a mongoose bicycle. Me too. That was the cool bike. Or a GT performer. I think I remember that bike too. Yeah. yeah. Wow, you're a cool kid, right? Yeah. I, I got what was on sale at Toys R Us. So, so that's what I would get. <laughs> what was on sale at Toys R Us? I got whatever was, I was, you know, my if, if my neighbor wouldn't give us the bike, a yeah. bike, and uh, which was so funny because looking back, the neighbor always had a mountain bike to give away. And we're like, I don't want a mountain bike. I want a mongoose. And it's like, no, you can't get a mongoose. They're $100. And we didn't have any money. So we would take the neighbor's bike, and then when something would go on sale at Toys R Us, like a $20 bike, we would snatch that quick. And all the cool kids had mongooses. And I would be, I would be envious. I would really want a mongoose. And then when you get older, you're like, I want more money. You know, and I feel like that's the phase of my age group now. I want more money. I want to be able to buy an investment house, a property. I want to buy something. I want to have more than somebody else. I got that out of my system way younger, and looking back, should have just taken the mountain bike, because now mountain bikes are cool. I see these kids, and I'm like, all the kids just want to ride a mountain bike now, you know? But it's so irrelevant, you know, because then you look, like you look into a a different country or a different state, they just have less, or could have less. You have your health, you have your family, you're good. You know, you have your mind, just utilize that to get more and more and more today. I don't envy anybody at all nobody i just i'm happy for the healthy man i'm happy for the people that can stay happy oh man you know it's, it's funny you just mentioned the the other part where with if you have your health you have everything we get calls from bars like I'm, I'm getting crushed today that rate's too high i can't get out of it and they're crying poverty and i'm like you know you did amazing the last like three years it's a little bump of the road you've been taken off the table you got to put a couple of chips back i'm like you know, you woke up today, your family's healthy, your kids are healthy. You could have been in so many other worse positions. Now you just got to pay a couple bucks. Like, uh, and then when you, when you explain that to them and they, they're seeing the other side, the whole mindset and their cha- day changes. It's like, he's right. I'm complaining over a couple bucks that I made plenty over the – you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. And everyone, like you mentioned it before, you're like, I wish I could have done more in the last three years. That was great. But you're not saying, like, I'm very upset I didn't, <laughs> you know. And you had those good opportunities, and it's cool. But – I think talking, I think we spend most of COVID, I think through COVID in the beginning, talking people off the ledge and then rates and everything got better. And all the deal flow is out there. You had 2%, 3% rates and then everything adjusted again. And then again, you just find yourself being your borrower and investor's therapist for someone who's sitting in a deal or I can't figure out how to refinance this or I can't find a bank, I can't find a deal. So um, I think it makes a lot of sense to look at everything else around you, not just focus on that one part. 100%. Because those that are unhealthy don't care about money anymore. Yeah. 
Those that are healthy care about money. You know, those that have money and are healthy want a family. You know, it's like you always want something always else. Want. Yeah. yeah. It's always something else you want. I think that, that I, <coughs> having 15 years on you, I'd, I'd like to say at a younger age, I had that same vision. Where like I wanted the nicest car and the nicest this and the nicest that. And like you push for that. And then you kind of get to a point in life where you realize peace of mind is the most important commodity. And peace of mind comes to simplicity. You know, like I went from driving all sorts of crazy cars to have a, a Wrangler. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Goes from point A to point B. If someone spills a drink in it, it's okay. You like the Wrangler? Love. It's just a car. Yeah. It's My girlfriend sim- wants one. You push, there's like a, there's a button it. that says radio, a button that says map. That's cool. Yeah. Just like you push the button. There's no like 17 monitors. You have to like plug your phone in and get an app to download the app for the other app. It's just, it's like drive and you could buy whatever car you want but that's what you choose to have that's what I choose. it's just simple it's a simple car yeah small goes big big goes small it's funny that they say when you have a kid um and you'll get there hopefully when you have a kid they say don't teach a child your ways learn from them what life really means and like you could put the most insane things in front of this kid just wants to go inside a wrangler Right. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's like he'll get hold, you know, and we're all blessed around us. Like my kid's a fancy car, my brother's a fancy car, I, my wife drives a fancy car. I'm just the one with the Wrangler. So like when you you line them all up, he just runs to the Wrangler because like in that car you can drive if you want. There's no rules, right? And he sees the simplicity in it. It's like if I spill crackers in the Wrangler, no one cares. If I spill my juice in the Defender, someone's getting in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it's like it's um. Points in case. I think you, as, as you get older, peace of mind kicks in and you realize you're better off having the safety net of liquidity and less toys versus having all these fancy gizmos and gadgets and, and then what? You know, yep. the, the happiness isn't in the gizmos and gadgets. It's in peace of mind. If you you're right. You put your head on a pillow every night. Um, you could sleep well. You're not, you're not worried about anybody coming to get you. You're not worried about over-leveraging your life. You're not worried about um, a hiccup in the market turning your business upside down because you're, you're well-versed in your position and you say your anchor's down right, then you just live. And then your biggest passion and, and hope is just be healthy. 100%. Point, you can't change that. that. That's what it comes to. 100%. I, I would like to continue growing. I am growing. I'm in growth yeah. mode. but what I'm always in growth mode, but what I care most about is like my parents. You know? I almost lost my mom three times. I'm 27. Three times she's almost uh, wow. she's almost gone on us. So I'm like, I I just want my parents. You know, like they're good, they're happy. Money's fine for them. I'm okay. If I go up or down or anything happens, I'm I'm a young guy. I could uh, I know how to make it. So I'm I'm not concerned about myself anymore. But I uh, I agree with everything you said. That was well said. Yeah, you know. Speaking of that, my, my, my dad always had health issues when I was growing up. And <clears throat> I remember being in 2006. My brother had just gotten engaged. Uh, his wedding was coming up. And my dad had a stroke. And I was in the hospital the night that I found out. No one else was there. I went after hours, just sat next to him. He was sleeping. And I was just sitting there. I was like, if I then I often have my own spiritual connections with God and my own like conversations with him and the privacy of myself. So I was sitting there, I was like, wow, like this guy's really got to get to like Rodney's wedding, man. Like 
I, I, if, if I had one wish in the world, I wanted he gets to Rodney's wedding. Like he's got to get there. Yeah. And then he got there. And then I looked at it later, and I was like, you know what? I really hope that Dad gets to see my wedding. And like, around the same time, there's an, he had an issue, and like I, I found myself in the same situation. You're gonna chill right now. Yeah, going like, dude, this guy's gonna make it through. Like, like I'm getting mad in like two months. He's gotta get there, right? And then. Next thing, like, I got to have a kid. I got to hurry up so my dad could see me have a kid. And we're very close, our family. And 24 hours before my son was born, it was the, literally, like, out of a movie. It was, like, the craziest 24 hours you could imagine of what a son goes through with his father while his son's about to be born. Where he had him, we had to like, rush him to the hospital. He was in one hospital. My wife was in another hospital. Wow. I was, like... Between giving birth and like making sure this this guy gets it to the bris, right? It was like, and again, I found myself sitting in a room and being like, "This, this can't be how we get here, right? Like, this this can't like if if this thing goes a little bit left, we got a big problem. Like, yeah. I, how am I gonna like jump and dance and sing at a bris when like this you guy's can't. not gonna be here? Yeah. Um, Your dad made it out. He's good. He's he's still good. Has he, he made it out? Yeah. Yeah, it all worked oh, out for Hashem. him. And like, as a recent still had one, you know, like, and like, it somehow happened that every time there's like a family celebration, something goes wrong. So what did you tell your wife? No more kids! No more kids! <laughs> no, it's so like my, my, my brother was having a bar mitzvah for his son and my dad was on like five, 95% life support. Wow. And like, do we go or not go to Israel for a bar mitzvah? And like, what do we do? And the doctor sat us down and said, this all wraps into real estate of like, again, just... Money and business is cool, but there's bigger things to life. And the doctor sat us both down and said, I'm going to get human with you guys for a second, not be a doctor. Um, you guys go. If something were to go wrong, we can stave life for 36 hours. That gives you enough time to come back. But, like, your son's 13 years old. You should get my bar mitzvah. So, like, you know, we, we, we sat down as a family, made a decision when it came back. And then when we came back, he was in a rehab facility, and he was like, hey, where'd you guys go? I'm like, what? That's great. <laughs> but, like, there's, there's much to Mike's, kind of piggybacking off of Mike, so there's much more, much more bigger issues in life than, like, interest rate spikes. So yeah. You kind of got to just, like, song and dance through that stuff, because you'll, you'll get, you'll, like you said, you'll get through that. Yep, you no question. You can't get through, you know, mommy not being around. Yeah, 100%. My mom's, the three times, freak accidents. Brutal car accident on Southern State. Southern State. It was raining like crazy. Somebody hit my mom's car from behind. She was in a full car. Crashed into a tree going 70. Tree fell on the car. Broke her neck and back. What? Whole nine. Mom went through an an episode, a year worth of everything. And uh, everything was against her. And she actually managed to make it through and walk again. Yeah. She had the will. That was 20 years ago. So she she was like... 30 at the time 10 years later appendix bursts in the middle of the night oh, wow. out of nowhere four hours in the or all this jazz a lot of scary things i'm a little bit older then i'm like whatever i was 15 16 freaking out you know i just want my mom i just want my mom fast forward 10 years after that brutal boating accident boating accident boat yeah boat what happened she she was out on a boat with a couple of our friends. My dad was on the boat too. My dad broke his leg. Ouch. And uh, what happened? The boat hit a sandbar going like 50. And they flew Ooh. off. And they all flew up, and mom split her head Ow. on the 
on one piece of the boat and is on the ground and she broke her neck remember yeah so now she's like she can't move she's on the ground and she can't move and her head is split open they all called me and i rushed over there man this is crazy i rush over there my dad's like broken leg he's like just take care of mom all i care about is mom everybody else on the boat is shaking up and hurt my mom the worst every time mom's the worst and she's the most delicate little five foot two princess ever she's an angel my mom and uh and we were in the ambulance. I'll show you guys pictures. It was brutal. On the way to the hospital, they're like, I don't, I don't think she's good. They're telling me all these things, the guys in the, in the ambulance. And I'm like, motherfuckers, you know, like, again, like always something. Every 10 years, it gets crazy. Freak accidents. We get to the hospital. They set her up, everything. They're like, she's got a concussion and, uh, and stitches down their head. She'll be okay. What? And yeah, and mom's like, I'm okay. Like once they stabilized her neck, but they're like, No, you're not. Like you, you broke your, you broke something in your spine, and they were wrong. And I'm like, You guys, you pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like you know what you just did to me? You took a couple of years off my life. Yeah, no, that's crazy. With that, Scary. but yeah, every every ten years something happens to her, and thankfully she's okay. God bless her. But yeah, hundred percent. If mom, mom or nothing, basically. Yeah, I remember being in the hospital. And so this is like 18 hours before my son's born. We're in the hospital with my dad. And they said that they have to put him under anesthesia and do some procedures through his neck to like stabilize the ulcer. And the doctor takes us into the room and he goes, he's in his mid-70s. You know, We don't know if he's going to make it out of the surgery or not. You guys might want to say your goodbyes just in case. Oh, uh... I'm like, what? What? So I'm like, I'm like in the room sitting there and I'm like, what are you, what the fuck? You almost wish she didn't tell you, like, don't even say that. No, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, I'm like, and my dad's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the surgery, I'll be right back. I was like, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, good luck with that. And like, Rodney's like, what are you saying? I'm like, what, what, what? he doesn't know what the guy just told us. Like, what, what am I supposed to say? I gave him a hug and a kiss and I was like. Again, you just look up at me like, yo, come on, man. You're hysterical <laughs> crying. You're looking up. Your dad's like, what's wrong with Ray? Every time. This little bitch. Like, no. This little bitch. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you definitely. I dealt with similar things to Ray with my father. Like, uh, my dad went through, like, the whole gamut in a year. And it's crazy. And But they don't. Certain things you can control as you get older. When you're younger, you can maintain it. And he still won't listen. He'll, like, come out, like, surgery. He's like, when can I drink? And the guy's like, what? That's so your dad. I can so see that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we're so lucky. Look at this, what we're talking about with our parents. And we and the, the real estate market's been good to us over the years. Of course, we're suffering a bit now. But over the years, it's been okay. Look at these kids, these soldier kids in Israel, where their parents are saying what we're saying. You know? Yeah. The opposite of, I mean. It's scary. That yeah. they're saying this about their kids, you know, twenty year olds going out to war and extremely dangerous places. Definitely scary. Yeah. I mean, those poor parents, I can't imagine. They yeah, don't care about money. money. Yeah. No. They don't care about money at all. You just you don't want to get a phone call all the time. Every time your phone rings, you have a panic attack. Yeah. Or those kidnapped kids. My dad's good friend from Israel, they kidnapped his eighteen year old daughter. Her first day in the army. That's scary. First day. That's insane. And she got kidnapped. So, I don't know. Very, very sketchy. Definitely. 
Yeah, hopefully good times are going to come soon. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one to pass, but... Yeah, it's definitely tough on that. When's your kid's bar mitzvah? Ten years. December 22nd, 2032. Oh, we got a long time. Yeah. Um, I'm not even going to do the math right now. <laughs> then we got to go to Israel. <laughs> we'll go. I want to be to Israel for that one. Yeah, it's going to be a party. Say that much. Here's a better. When are you going to have a kid? I don't know yet. <laughs> I think I've got the woman this time, so... All right. No, awesome. for sure. I definitely got the woman this Did time. Did you get it? Yeah. All right. She's awesome. How old is she? She's 28. Nice. Wow. That's so, nice. Yeah. I mean, when did you have your first kid? I was 38. Okay. 38. Got it. What about you? That's a good question for you. 36. 36, yeah. Okay. So. At the rate there's, two, there's two ways to do life. It's either, and I, I think I did it what's best for me, and I think that is relative to everybody else and what they go through life. Um, for me, it was more of live life by myself and find myself, understand who I am, know my desires, know my wishes, know my limitations, know what my path in life is for me and what I want it to be like, and then bring somebody else into that equation that could help me get there and build a life together versus I feel some people just prematurely do that and they find themselves in circumstances where it's not so favorable, and they compromise their own desires. They get get animosity kicks in. Yeah, which is wrong. Yeah, you look at someone else for your own, you you blame others for your own shortcomings. Yeah. Right. Because you made a, you you decided I'm gonna. This isn't like a comment towards you. At a premature time, I'm gonna be a parent. Or like I, I see 24, 25 year old kids nowadays. Like, I, I gotta get married. Yeah. Well, it can't um, be towards me. I'm almost thirty, yeah. so I'm uh, I'm, I'm on your side on this. I'm like, one. you're twenty four years old and you get married. You're twenty four years old. You're doing it like, how do you how do you how do you how do you like handle the best friend uh, a fight with your best friend? Oh, well, he did like just how to. I mean, if you can't dis, you can't like diffuse a situation with your best friend over like something that's so minuscule in life. How are you gonna handle like a marriage, like a, a real a real life circumstance where like, you you can't get what you want. Because there's two of you, and you have to be selfless, and you have to make a sacrifice, and you have to genuinely love someone more than you love yourself, and that's not easy to do. I believe so it. People can say that all they want. It's it's very few people, and I think I'm I'm lucky enough to have that in my life, where we might not see eye to eye on everything, but I think I genuinely have found that in my life where I care about my wife and my child more than myself. So I hope that I do selfless tasks to prove that, but. Not everyone can do that if you're not in the right circumstance, right? So then it's like, well, I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? It's like, well, you have to do that. You're married. You know, it's like, you know, you got a kid. Pretty much. It's definitely like that. And your peace of mind in that circumstance becomes a smile on their face. Nothing beats a kid who's a happy kid. Yeah. Nothing beats a wife who looks at her husband or any person who looks at their partner and like smiles and goes like, yeah, that's my, that's 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 mine. You know, like we it's true. The happy wife, happy life saying. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you figure that one out. I love you, Nick. <laughs> it's, it's, There's a lot of depth in that. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's 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 happy life. It's happy wife, happy life. If you master that selflessness, so like if you genuinely want that smile on her face, and you don't care what you sacrifice for, then it is happy life, happy wife, happy life. Or the, the flip side is like happy wife. Happy life, but like this is bullshit. It's not what I wanted. 
So I'm going to sit here and stop my feet. But like, happy whatever. It's like if you if you really selflessly want them to be happy, it's like hey, if I can't go to this event or if I can't hang out with this person or if I can't buy myself that I have to allocate funds to something else or I don't want to do this. But like, you know what you really want to do? I'm going to do it. But like, my payback is that smile and that gratitude and that like that love. Then it is exactly that. It's a happy wife, happy life. I see. Get there. You don't have much to say on this, Ramen. I have plenty to say on it, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> you, you'll learn that it doesn't. I, th- I, th- I think. I think. On, on for Mike's behalf, I'm gonna say Mike probably. There's very few people I say this about. And I think Mike did marriage well. Nice. And I have a Thank handful you. of people I say that about. And I, I that I have very in depth, serious conversations with about marriage and parenting and like. There's very few people in life you want to get advice from, and I think people tend to over generously offer unsolicited advice right everyone's always giving you advice no you question don't want, you don't, you don't, no one asks you don't, if you don't ask someone for advice and they give it to you it's kind of like okay man thanks but I didn't really ask you for advice yep um, but there's a handful of people around you that you see their life and you see how they handle situations and you see their surrounding like you know what this guy did it right like you're going to ask a rich person to make money you're not going to ask like someone who's not no question well, right? you're right so I think um Hats off to Michael. I think he did marriage pretty well. He's got a beautiful wife. And <laughs> what a kids. compliment. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm 27. I think the biggest... You just said you're 30. I'm 20, almost 30. A couple of years. <laughs> I'm 27. I'm 27. I'll be 60 so next week. Funny you mentioned the age of 30. Because for you, the last... You nine, want to pivot back to business. I see I'm not going to pivot back to business, but you do mention back to 30. Wait, wait. Let me, let me. Oh, you do your thing. So I'm, I'm 27 now. I think the most important lesson in the love side of things that I've learned is that... I needed to figure out the type of woman I want to spend more time with. You know, when you're younger, because you made such a good point. You're like, you're 24 years old. You don't even know how to get over a fight with your best friend. You That just clicked for me. When I was 24, I wanted a certain type of girl. But even in those three years, I'm, I, I realized more and like... It'll change by the time you're 35. I, I heard that too. Like, it continuously changes. I just... And we change as people right i wanted i want a woman that's more nurturing right now like i don't want somebody to match my level of business and match me it's just not what i want when i was younger everyone's like that's what you want unsolicited advice yeah. and i'm like you know what that's what i want and that's what i'm told I'll, i want I'll, I'll give you some unsolicited advice you know what's, you know what's good advice what? i think in in that quest it's become like a dating app now what i did is and I, I, I dated a lot before I found where me and Nikki got together. You handsome bastard. And I think what <laughs> I think what I realized was important for me and it worked for me was I had a list of stuff I didn't want. Right? So I didn't want jealousy in my life. I didn't want finger pointing. I didn't want um like confrontational, like Ill intended conversations. Like, you know, people do that. Oh, I dated a girl like yeah, that. Just, she she matched my energy, but she did that. It was a deal breaker yeah, for yeah. me. So, like, so it's like something can go wrong in life. You can either talk about it or you can get confrontational. Right? Um, you can go to Monday Night Football and then it's like, well, who was there? It's like, my boys. Right? So, like, I, I knew the old ones I didn't want that. I want someone who was very, like, comfortable in their own skin. I didn't want someone that was, like, all caked up with me. Like, I, I, and I, I made a list of those things. And in doing so, you f- you find something, right? And what you find is that you might compromise, you know, thirty percent of what you want, but you're getting to seventy percent of what you don't want. 
So you find out what you don't want if they don't have those qualities. Having someone that has 70%, that lacks 70% of what you don't want, is better than finding someone that has 100% of what you do want. Does that make sense? It's like a risk analysis. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like I'm it's, seeing it's, Excel it's, spreadsheet. It, it, it gets you that peace of mind. Right? It's like if you, yep. if you, for me, I, I said to myself, if you eliminate confrontation, you eliminate jealousy, you eliminate insecurity, and you eliminate like the, the song and dance that comes with like this marriage that everyone talks about, I could be happy. I'll be very happy. And I, I'm willing to give up a lot for that. And whatever that might be, it's okay because I, I have that peace of mind. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to find it. Like the things, a large list of stuff I didn't want, I found that Nikki didn't have. So for me, it's just, it's like easy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I think people get too saturated in what they want and they disqualify how bad it is to have something you don't want there. Right? And yep. then all of a sudden, like now you're, you're literally, you're literally in a, in a, in a, in a life now. Like you're married. Like people are like, you know, it's not like it was back in the day where there's no social media, there's no TV. Like you, like you have access to information. Ray's got good feedback on this. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. great advice on this. Yeah. When you get married, like you're really in a room with someone else forever. You're making me think of situations I've been in. That's exactly what you're saying. Like it's. And you don't want those situations. Yeah. Marriage. I dated like, this it, it Israeli would, woman. You want to be forever. You don't yep. want to be six months. I dated this Israeli woman. First mistake. And uh, <laughs> and she was a lot. She had a lot of what I wanted, but what I didn't want outweighed what I wanted by one thousand percent. Very confrontational. Love to to fight, like you were just talking about earlier. And I'm like, what are you, you fighting about? What are you fighting about? Think about how much you fight on a daily basis between every your peers, day. Your lender, yeah. your title company, <laughs> Marie, who can't clear a file. <laughs> You're the best. And like. All the stuff you have on a daily basis that you like battle with, and imagine now you got to go home and like start round one again. It's yeah. like jealous, so exactly right. Yeah. Jealous about everything. I'm like, I can't have this. I can't do it. Because then the fights even get more. Like, okay, you don't fight about that, but you're fighting about that. And jealous about anybody, that's unacceptable. This the girl I'm dating now. I'm on four months. She's non-confrontational. She's more religious than me which I think is huge because she really believes in like Shalom Bait and she keeps Shabbat, but it's okay if I don't because she's okay with that. You're, you're you. She wakes up in the morning and it's like sets me off for the day, like tea before I even come downstairs. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, and because of the, I, I'm going to give credit to the religion also, not only to her personality. This is who she is, but the religion, you guys know our religion. It's a lot about giving. Yeah. And so she always wants to make or give and uh, and that reminds me of my mother. My, you know, when we didn't have, and my mom just kept wanting to give, my dad's like, Rach, we don't have to give. They can find a way. Yeah. And she that was most of their fights. She's like, I want to give more. And he's like, we don't have to give. And, uh, and you know, hardcore Israeli, yeah. Yeah. giving Ashkenazi mom. So uh, in the end, I mean, now, thank God, we're doing much better, and mom gives all the time, and she gave back then. But this woman reminds me so much of that, like, Nominal lifestyle. I like to give humble, more religious, wants lots of kids like me, like all those good things. But most importantly, what I don't want is is there. Like she, no fighting. I come home. She's like set stuff up for me and kind of leaves me alone. I don't want to come home and talk business anymore at this point. Maybe when I was 18, I did. Yeah. But I do not want that anymore. I talk business all oh. day night, all day long. I get calls at midnight talking business. It's like with the girl I'm with, I just don't want that. You want to just chill. Yeah. Talk about something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and she takes care of autistic children and people with Down syndrome. So that's great. So when she when she gives me the stories, one sometimes it's so funny. It's like a cute, nice, lovely topic to laugh about because these people, although they have these uh, these issues, it's like beautiful issues. You know, like they're so funny and they don't. It's just so uh, nice to be around those people. It's like a bright light. Yeah. So I, you know, she comes back with a smile all the time. Like, that's cool. I, I like that. It's a different side of the world I never saw. Now I want to open an autism center. I'm like, perfect. I do real estate. Let's buy this building. Yeah. We'll make you an autism center. The Avgi Center for Autism. Perfect. But then your wife becomes your business partner. Then you're going to have a whole... No, no. Non-profit. Do your <laughs> thing. <laughs> non-profit. No more business partners. No business partners. That's awesome. What are you saying, Mike? All right. Well, I was going to say, but I think we have to wrap up. But before we wrap up, um, you always mentioned, you said you're turning 30. And a big thing that you always push was, I want to hit a billion dollars in assets under management before I hit 30. Why do you close out in an hour? What? You close out in an hour? I think so. But I'm not sure. We can go longer. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> um, so, outside of probably Jeff's going to Unless you want me out of here. No, I don't want you out of here. Um, so, you always talk about like... Um, wanting to hit a billion dollars in assets before you hit 30 or when you hit 30. Obviously, right now, you guys are at 120. Would have been higher if you sold stuff. Um, do you think there's a possibility you're going to buy $800 million in assets in the next three years? And if it's not that, where do you think you're going to pivot to? And a lot of people, I think, in this market, now more than anything, like, um, what do you think like the next phase is for you? It could be almost laughable when people say that. Like, you're only at 120. You think you're going to buy... <laughs> I don't, I, no, I don't think only at 120. Years. I think 120 is crazy. I think people get jaded with numbers in our industry because someone could buy one building for 120. But 120 in general, especially over a lot of assets, is a lot. Um, we see it ourselves because, you know, even if you, you buy 100,000 units or even if you buy 10,000 units at 80,000 a door, you're still not worth a billion dollars. So you're still at 800 million, but it's 10,000 units. It's like, it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. It's hard. You're managing a lot. You're doing a lot. You're still not hitting some crazy number, but it's like, oh, I did all of this. Um, but what do you think, like, the next phase is for you? Like, where do you want to – do you well, want to still – I'm taking the approach of, you know, the Abraham Lincoln approach. If I had four hours to chop down a tree, I'd use the first two sharpening my axe. So wow, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm sharpening my axe right now. Love I'm preparing. It. I'm allocating. You know, I'm preparing funds. I'm preparing relationships. To go much bigger, more institutional style. I have a balance sheet now. I have uh, an SREO. I have a track record, not, you know, a blip on on what I've done. So everyone's been paid. All my investors are happy. I've had I've had my failed projects. I've had three failed projects out of hundreds, and uh, and and none of my investors have lost money on those projects. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, so mostly because I manned up and put it, and I reimbursed from my pocket. And those projects also were acts of God. So it wasn't like oh, failed on the yeah. on the actual deal itself, like a yeah. building burned down to the ground, you know, so stuff like that. So I think I'll get there. I think I'll be able to pull it off. I think you will too. I know after what I've seen the last couple of years, I absolutely see that too. Yeah, we've done a ton of business together, so you well, saw it. I see the business, I see the stories and everything. So, yeah. Now, if I can, if I could put together this one fund that I'm working on right now, I'll have a lot of liquidity 
to uh, to leverage and get much closer to my goal. That's what I've been working on over the last year. Rather than buying like a madman like I was, I've slowed down on the acquisitions and focused my energy, Alon's energy, on a much larger picture. That's great. You got your biggest fans right here. Do it. Let's do it. Love you guys. Love you too. Love you too.